Hey, so Steph. Hey, so Chris. Did you know that Rogue One came out before Solo? <laughs> what? Huh? Did you did you check any of the forty DMs we got about that? Maybe uh, I don't know what part of two dumb bitches with microphones people forget. I don't read. But... A, I don't read a fucking calendar. <laughs> <laughs> like before COVID, is there really a difference between 2016 and 2017? No. No. That shit's all the same thing. Yeah. Oh my God. It all blurs together now. And it was also all 20 years ago. If it was before COVID, that was 20 years ago. Right. Right. Anyway. So no, uh, I did realize uh, I did realize that after the episode was already out that I, I had them flipped. But here's the thing. I straight up, like that's my memory. In my brain. In my memory. Yeah. Solo came out before Rogue One. And I don't know if maybe it's because I didn't see them in the right order. There's no way I didn't see Rogue One in theaters, though, because I very clearly remember that. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, look, all I can say in my own defense uh, and get it, for getting that wrong last episode is that I've been under general anesthesia several times since then. Uh, and every time that happens, something goes down the memory hole. Yeah, and, yeah, and sometimes things come back out of the memory hole, but they're weird now. Yeah, and that's just one of those things that got flipped, and I straight up Mandela affected myself. Right, <laughs> and and I, like that's my reality. And I didn't say anything because I don't wish to incur the wrath of Stephanie. Whatever you assume, <laughs> I'm right. Is the that's thing. also true. That's because also true. I present myself as totally knowing things and being right all the time, <laughs> and uh, and then you're just like, well, I guess she's right and I'm dumb. And no, it turns out we're just both dumb. <laughs> it was so funny. So uh, uh, a, a friend of mine um, uh, who I watched uh, Bad Batch and Mandalorian with, and he listens to the show, so I hope, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this. Hi. Um, and I'm and I'm blushing. Can't you tell? Uh, uh, no, because I minimize the screen. Oh yeah, you minimize me. You you yep. jerk. Always, um, always. Yeah. No. So we get into his car because we're gonna go get some uh, fried chicken for dinner, and Mm-mm. he said, "So I have a question for you." And I said, "Let me guess. It's about the." <laughs> But the fact that we said we said uh, Solo came out before Rogue One, which it was, and I laughed just because that was after like you know I can always tell when we get something significant wrong when I check uh-huh. our social medias and oh it's, yeah, it's no, blown it pops up. off. Yeah, it pops off. Now I have been known in the past to include information that is slightly incorrect in our social media posts because Star Wars fans cannot help themselves and have to correct. Especially if they see a woman saying something slightly wrong about yeah. Star Wars, they've got to correct. They've got to come in and be like, "Um, actually, here's the a correction." And we're at a point now with um with our social media presence that it's not always rude. Like a lot of times, uh, we'll get people commenting, "Look, I love you, no hate, but here's what you got wrong," and I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I've been known to do it on purpose just to drive up engagement. Yeah, uh, still one of my. But this most... is not that time. I legitimately got it wrong. One <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of my most popular TikToks is where I say I like Rise of Skywalker, and it was like, <laughs> "How dare you? How dare you like a thing?" I know. <laughs> oh which I which I need to do something like that soon again because I I need the negative attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get some wrinkles again. Right, and it's like I can't afford Botox right now, so <laughs> I think I'll comment something about how much I love the sequel trilogy. 
Well, no, I, I don't like Botox because I like to have an expressive face. You like to be able to move your face? Weird. <laughs> Weird. Hey, Weird. speaking of which, did you know uh-huh. that there are, um, you know, we were talking about flaps recently. Um, uh-huh, we were. <laughs> <laughs> Divas Unleashed on YouTube right now. We discuss my flaps. Yeah, yeah. And Go yes, ahead we are, and figure we, out what, what I mean by that. Yeah, we it's are. the bottom of my fluid sack. <laughs> there are apparently, uh, uh, I don't know if they're Botox injections, but they are injections nonetheless you can get to plump them up. Is that something you want to do? <laughs> do I want to plump up my flaps? I don't know. Do you? Is it? Is it? Well, no, Botox isn't a plumper. It's a smoother. Um, so it would need to be filler. You'd have to be injecting filler. Okay. Into your flaps. Yeah. And I don't know about other people's flaps so much, but that just seems like that's a lot more area than than the mouth, than the lips, which is where you would usually get kind of that kind of injectable filler. Yeah. Um, and surely you're paying in volume, like for how much they have to use. Right. That just seems more expensive. And... I don't see I don't see a reason for it unless you are in the porn industry and and that's and this is an area that you use for to make your living. I don't see any reason because honestly, once somebody is in that part of town, so to speak, they're not looking at the decor. Right. Right. Like they're there to do a thing, to achieve a goal. To set off some fireworks to get Yahtzee, okay? <laughs> they don't give a get fuck Yahtzee. what it looks like anymore. Holy wow. Yep. Well, was that enough euphemisms, do you think? <laughs> uh, we're talking we're talking about your vagina. <laughs> no. No, we're talking about the vulva. The vo- Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. Get it right. The vulva's the outer layer. The vagina's very inner. <laughs> very. Super inner. I'm glad There's layers. And, so, and, but what which are you which are you plumping up though? Is it the majora or the minora? Uh, that's a question. I I don't know because I I I, I wondered I, since you're the woman half of the podcast that you may right. have some insight. Well, I would think that if you're, it would be a, a really risky game to be plumping up the minora because that's the layer that's right on top of the fun button. Yeah, the devil's doorbell, as twer. <laughs> and so. You're really risking loss of sensation in that area. And I would never (laughs) (laughs) risk loss of sensation. That's the point. On that particular bean. Yeah. On that bean. I'm running out of euphemisms. We need to change the subject. Uh, We have a show to introduce. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) This is your fault. You started this with the porn talk before we started recording. Yeah, and uh, for that talk, y'all, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Divas Podcast. Patrons only. Uh, Steph was pointing down to her flap area the whole time when we were having the conversation, so you can also see that too. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Okay, hey, do you want to you want to uh, intro a podcast? I'm ready. Today? I am ready. We're okay. we're in. We are we are prime. We're in a and ready. mood. We're in a mood. All right. <clears throat> hey, everybody, welcome back to Dark Side Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Star Wars. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show, and 
I am not going to do an intro about my flaps. <laughs> you just did. Shut up. Hey, everybody. I am that gay, can I be in a Lando Han sandwich in the cape room sexual? <laughs> in the cape room. <laughs> oh, and uh, Stephanie, huh. you and I will be working much more closely from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, even though there are better lines uh, to have selected from, thank you, no. L3. Uh, that, that one is my favorite. Yeah. That was the hottest, for sure. All right. I have a few things to cover before we get into it today. I have, have a review. Anything? Ooh. All right, go. I think it's a new review. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I lied. I don't have a review. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I think I read it because I think I read it last time. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to double check our previous episode. If I forgot it, then I will do it again but i'm pretty sure i read it okay never mind i'm a dumb bitch there we go yeah. once again just two dumb bitches with microphones yeah. i can't read a calendar <laughs> y'all how can you expect me to read a goddamn review right okay yeah. Yeah. so um i have a few things one uh last episode we were wondering how old is han solo in this movie right so i, I looked into it uh he is canonically born in 32 bby solo is set in 10 bby Mm-hmm. So he is 22 years old, 19 in the prologue. Wow. Okay. Like when they're trying to escape Corellia, he's 19 years old. So he's a baby. He is such a child in this one. He's an infant. Yeah. He's in swaddling clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of people uh, who like to, who have an issue with the age gap between Han and Leia. Oh, because right. Because he's, he's 12 years older than her. And you know what? We will address that when we need to address it. Yeah. But it's bullshit. It's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. A 12-year age gap is not that gross. Here's the thing. The people that are saying, ew, 12 years is such a huge age gap are, I believe, all under the age of 25. Yeah. Go figure. And and, and, and see, I fucking... um, It's not like he was dating her when she was 10. Right. Like... I, I... I when I'm on like grinder or scruff whatever, and I, I I see those no old people, nobody over the age of twenty five. I'm just like <laughs> okay. really okay, fine. Bye. I got a rule too: no no dumbasses. So bye, you know. To nobody under the age of thirty five. So yeah, well. Anyway, um, so for me, I can't speak for you. Yeah, don't speak for me, please. Uh, <laughs> but but <laughs> ew. <laughs> Not oh what 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 go on? No, that's fine. I see how it is today. What? I'm just saying you have higher standards than me. Don't speak for me, plain. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? I don't care. I'm, I'm a dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have other stuff. You ready? No, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it was. Well, then let's sit here and wait for that thought to percolate back Oh, up. now there's, this, there's the pressure to perform. Exactly, so let me move on. Okay, fine. You'll get the joy of interrupting me later when the thought bubble pops in your brain. God damn it, I hate myself. Okay, so uh, last, <laughs> last, last, last movie, last episode, um, when Han and Chewie are fighting in the mud and Chewie's like pushing him down into the mud to the point where it's just Han's face sticking out of the mud. Right. That was a deliberate visual call to Han Solo Frozen in Carbonite. Right. From the original trilogy. I didn't pick that up at the time. I thought that was really cool. I thought we mentioned it. Oh, never. No, we didn't. Oh, oh I remember now. Uh, still. <laughs> Told when- you. <laughs> 
Now I forgot. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm just saying my one of my favorite sexual experiences when I was like in my early 20s and I met up with a 60 year old guy and it was fucking awesome and would recommend uh, 10 out of 10, 10, out of 10 uh, mm-hmm. older men know what they're doing. And thank God for that. And that's why I like them older. And as long as you know, when you're when you're the older person, yeah, I said we weren't going to get into it, but here we are. Um, <clears throat> the campsite rule. Is to be rule. observed. Okay. Are you familiar with the campsite rule? I'm not. Educate me. Have you ever gone camping? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So when you go camping, you get to your campsite. And the the ethical way to proceed at this campsite is to leave it better than you found it. Okay. Like, you clean up after yourself. You get all traces of you out of there. And if you find trash from previous campers or whatever, clean up after yourself. You clean, you, ba- you leave it better than you found it. That's that's the campsite rule. That applies to relationships, particularly when there's a large age gap. As the older person in that uh, in that situation, it is your responsibility to observe the campsite rule and to have enough level of care for the person that you're with to leave them better than you found them. Oh, okay. So that's that's the campsite rule, and um, we will discuss when we get to the original trilogy whether or not Han Solo observed that rule oh my okay we're gonna get into another han solo bashing session in in like a year look i love han solo of this movie oh yeah and i i see how he evolved into han solo of the original trilogy yeah yeah some shit goes down okay so moving on so we have a few things to address with the cast of this movie (sighs) one Woody Harrelson, we are on record last episode adoring him. And then the motherfucker couldn't wait until we were done talking about Solo to pop off on Saturday Night Live with his bizarro COVID conspiracies. Yeah. So apparently he's anti-vax, anti-mask, COVID is a deep state, blah, 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 blah. Woody Harrelson's always been kind of a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Um, because he's stoned out of his mind nine times out of ten if you put him in front of a camera for like media appearances and stuff. It's fine. Whatever, you do you. Um, but this was, like, god damn it. This was, you know, I don't know if I want to call it disappointing, because it's not like I had any expectations p- pinned to Woody Harrelson, but... And I'm, I can't be disappointed by reality anymore. I'm pretty... I've reached peak disappointment yeah, with society. Your, your expectations cannot possibly sink lower once they've hit bottom. Um, with, with the way that American society has handled COVID, right. um, right. because I am one of the vulnerable people. I am one of the people that is the reason why you should all be vaccinated and wearing masks when you're in groups in public. Like, because you're protecting me, because I have a compromised immune system, me and people like me. Yeah. Um, but Woody Harrelson apparently thinks that masks are like oppression or something. That's very. <sighs> So there's that. Like we had to address that, right? Yeah. Look, uh, I've I've been on record as saying um, I find that at least the most of the actors I've I've had the unfortunate uh, displeasure of having to work with and wrangle at events. I think they're kind of dumb, and I I figure, <laughs> and I know that's a generalization. There are of course exceptions. There have been exceptionally wonderful people that are actors that I've met and got to work with. I'm friends with a few of them. But I figure, you know, one of the hardest things I have a problem with that prevents me from ever doing any kind of acting other than the fact that I can't act is I can't memorize fucking lines. I figure it's a skill if you're able to empty your brain out of any fucking thought and then fill that brain with, like, lines. It's what lets you do it. Uh, Woody Harrelson is a fucking moron. 
Um, he is an empty vessel. He is an uh, empty vessel. Nonetheless, I like his characters. I like his acting. He's a terrible right. person. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, it is what it is. So uh, we disagree vehemently with Woody Harrelson's position on, you yeah. know, all of that. You know, and, and, and for those folks that agree with him, please bear this in mind. Yes, the scientific community is currently looking at mask mandates research and lockdown research. That data is finally coming out and we're having really important debates about it don't fuck up your argument by having some some stupid ass actor go on a, a show and pop off conspiracy it is not going to fa- it is not going to forward your perspective at all it's you don't gonna, think anybody's got woody harrelson's leash on this issue do you i mean i'm sure i, I mean i am positive I'm, I'm sure he he found a fucking conspiracy theory corner of the internet and just absorbed Oh, I'm sure. I don't think anybody sure. gave him marching orders on that. No, no, I'm sure it's just him being a jackass and being thoughtless and stupid. As many people have uh, that I respect from an artistic perception, you know, I am uh, I am on record of saying I love Buster Rhymes. He's one of my favorite performers. He fucking destroyed at the Grammys recently. Mm-hmm. He's also an anti-mask asshole as well. <sighs> and so, you know... They're not doctors, so don't fucking listen to them. And yeah, don't, don't fucking don't listen to celebrities. Don't listen to artists. Yeah, they don't fucking know. We are having really important debates in the scientific community. Let them debate. Read a report when it comes out. Don't just read the headline. And you know we're going to work through it as a society. But don't fucking muddy the waters by popping off on bullshit. All I can tell you is the facts from my perspective as a very vulnerable person in this time. Masks and vaccines protect me correct so i appreciate everyone who does those things yeah as of right now that's exactly what the science says like there was a report that came out last week from oxford i I forget which medical institution but okay the the, the headline says uh, masks uh mask mandates were ineffective and so people uh popped off on that like see it's the proof it's the proof but if you read the report they were ineffective because people didn't a wear the right masks and b mm-hmm. didn't fucking follow the mandate anyway. So it wasn't right. that the mandate itself was ineffective; it's that human beings are fucking awful. It's not that the, the concept of wearing masks was ineffective; it's the it's the that the mandate was not enforceable and didn't happen. Correct. It's because people didn't follow it. And that's exactly what the report says. But people just read the headline and got carried away with it. So here we are. Well, they should have done a different headline because we all know that that's how it works now. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on from all of that, um, let's talk about the uh, lovely and talented Amelia Clark, shall we? Okay. Amelia Clark, um, over this past week, posted a selfie on her Instagram. And it's so sweet. And she's just smiling so bright because she wanted to share a message that her mom had given her on a mug. Uh, And it was just such a bright and positive message. And she wanted to share it with all of her followers. And the, the mug, she's holding it up and she's smiling. And the mug says, you're doing fucking great. Oh, I love that. I know, right? How could anybody find anything negative to say about this wonderful, heartwarming, optimistic moment in a world in which we need those feelings very badly? Right. I, I'm sure every. I'm sure the internet was very supportive of that, inspired by it. Well, the internet came for Amelia Clark's face, of course. Her painfully gorgeous face. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, the selfie was in unflattering lighting, and she's not wearing any makeup. Um, 
because she's a human being and she just that wasn't what she was thinking about she's not a fucking influencer where she's like and i need my perfect lighting and i work my angles and get my contour and now i can post it and then and she's not going to kardashian the fuck out of her pictures right and by kardashian i'm using that as a verb to mean photoshop and <laughs> so yeah a lot of people fucking were like oh my god you look nine million years old she's 36 and so she has laugh lines she looks amazing yeah yes the lighting is unflattering yes she's not wearing any makeup but a lot of people uh, on the internet were like oh my god i will always always criticize a woman's appearance because she does not in this one moment look exactly the way she looked on a show that ended years ago in which she had makeup and perfect lighting and retouches yeah Fucking ridiculous. Anyway, they were met. Anybody who made those comments was thankfully met with a great deal of backlash because fuck you. Yeah. You wish you looked that good in a in a badly lit selfie. People are awful, Heather. Yes. Um, so uh, we fully support here here on Dark Side Divas. We fully support uh, Amelia Clark's right to post a poorly lit selfie in whatever state of makeup she wants to post it in. Let women just have faces, please. Please, for the love of God. God damn. I got one more. One more thing we got to talk about in the cast. <laughs> You're on just, fire today. I know. I love it. Um, so you remember you remember last episode where I was pretty upset about the the death of Val? Yeah. I'm not the only one. Oh, I know. In a recent interview, and I mean recent, like this was like last year, recent mm-hmm. interview with Tendiwe Newton, she spoke about Val's death in this movie. She says, quote, I felt disappointed by Star Wars that my character was killed. And actually, in the script, she wasn't killed. It happened during filming. And it was much more just to do with the time that we had to do the scenes. It's much easier just to have me die than it is to have me fall into a vacuum of space so I can come back later. That's what it originally was. That the explosion and then she falls out and you don't know where she's gone. So I could have come back at some point. But when we came to filming, as far as I was concerned and was aware, when it came to filming that scene, it was too huge a set piece to create. So they just had me blow up and I'm done. But I remembered at the time thinking, this is a big, big mistake. Not because of me, not because I wanted to come back. You don't kill off the first black woman to ever have a real role in a Star Wars movie. Like, are you fucking joking? Yeah. End quote. Yes, ma'am. Agreed on all counts. Agreed, too. Um, But you know what? I haven't seen a body, so somehow Val Return would be awesome. She totally could because yeah. yeah, she just gets blown up, but we don't see a body. Yeah, she could have. She could have been blown clear. You don't fucking know. Yeah, bring back Val. Yeah. Bring back Val. Bring back. We're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I by the way, I'm sad that you're bringing all these like serious topics, and I talked about flaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's our brand, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, um. 20 plus minutes into this podcast episode you want to get into why we're here today? <laughs> yeah let's do it okay we're doing hey, it y'all i don't know if you knew by now uh what we're doing on this podcast is we are watching through the entire star wars visual story in chronological order which means we started with episode one the phantom menace and we have been something something moving forward through time since then i'm sorry it's been a day uh, and we find ourselves today talking about the not at all facetiously, definitely, literally thrilling conclusion of Solo, A Star Wars Story. 
Dun, dun, dun. I love it. Do you have an intro for us right here? Dangerous heist. Han Solo and his crew of scoundrels are on their way to Kessel to steal raw coaxium. But will everyone survive the heist? What loyalties will be tested? And who is the true power behind Crimson Dawn? All that and more. Side note. Han shoots first. (laughs) He really does. Yeah. Boy, howdy does he. I love him. Okay. When last we left our heroes, they were on board the Millennium Falcon flying off towards Kessel. Yay. Being observed by Enfys Nest as they fly away. So, we get to a scene where Han Solo steps onto the bridge of the Millennium Falcon for the first time. Ugh. Tears. And look, yes, this is absolutely fan service. This is absolutely... Just, it, the movie can stand on its own, but moments like this hit different if, you know, you were raised on the original trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Oh, my God. Uh, Han steps onto the bridge and comments that his... He identifies it. This is a YT series freighter. Uh, says that his dad used to build them back on Corellia. Hmm. And Lando's like, oh, yeah, were you uh, were you close with your dad? Nah. Yeah, me neither. And Lando says that his mother was the most amazing woman he ever knew. And it says in my notes, of course he's a mama's boy. Of course he is. Of course of he is. Of course he is. Oh. Uh, can we call out how clean the Falcon looks? Oh, the Falcon is fucking beautiful on yeah. the inside. It's so, it's fucking pristine. Everything is shiny. Did you know that the walls inside the Falcon are white? Yeah. I didn't know that from my previous experience. And the internal, uh, the internal lighting is, is uh, blue, not green. Yeah. It's like, it's all very moody. Yeah. And like, this is, this is upscale bachelor pad. Yeah. Like not, there's, there's a couple of ways a bachelor pad can go. Mm-hmm. This is the good way. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I have my notes. Chewie and Han are fucking pigs. Yes, they're disgusting. <laughs> they're disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know that there are, I don't know, I haven't read any canon comic books yet, but I remember reading Legends comic books from long ago where Han would claim that he keeps the Millennium Falcon looking like trash on the outside and the end so that people would underestimate the ship. I believe Han Solo is a fucking pig. That's it. Yeah, no, he. J- this is definitely a guy who like sniffs his underwear before he puts it on, just to make sure he hadn't already worn it. Too How many could that times. be? There's no underwear in Star Wars stuff. There's no underwear. You're right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> anyway, so Han slips into the co-pilot seat in the cockpit, and then L three three seven stomps in and goes, "Get your presumptuous off out of my seat." Yes. She's the co-pilot. So, hey, we didn't do this last time, so let's do it now. Let's talk about L337. Okay. The actress portraying L337. Yeah, because I talked about the droid. Um, So, L337 is being played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh. Uh, This is, she's a British actress, and um, I actually haven't watched anything that she's been in. Like, I've never seen her in anything else but this. Okay. And... Um, but except for all of the TikToks all over my FYP that are clips from Fleabag. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, that apparently, like, the internet thinks I need to watch that show. I don't know why. I've already watched, like, the whole show at this point because of all the clips on my FYP. <laughs> anyway, um, I will applaud the shit out of her because she is out there making her own goddamn opportunities. She created, wrote, and produced two TV series in which she also starred. Mm -hmm. Crashing and Fleabag. And Fleabag apparently is wildly popular with people who have things in common with me on the internet. Yeah. 
So those were entirely her creation. And she basically made her own platform to launch herself into bigger and broader things. And that's fucking amazing. And now she's part of Star Wars. So good for her. Yeah. Uh, She was also in Broadchurch, The Iron Lady, His Dark Materials, and she will be in the upcoming Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. I can't fucking wait for that movie. Oh, my God. Now, the... um What's funny, I saw a quick interview with her talking about having auditioned for this role. Uh, She is not a Star Wars person. Right. So when she went into audition for this role, she had no idea that L3 was a robot. (laughs) She didn't know what droid meant. Wow. Uh, She had no idea until she did her first reading. And then the, the casting people were like, can you do maybe some more mechanical movements? And that's when she's like, oh, it's a robot. Okay. Um... (laughs) starts trying to move like a robot. So the way that they pulled off actually filming L337 in this movie, that's Phoebe Waller-Bridge on the set. That's awesome. In a a, a suit? Yeah, she's in like a, she's in a mocap suit, like a green, a green screen suit. That's badass. Uh, And she's got the pieces of uh, L3's limbs and chassis on her. She's got a thing that covers her face. So the uh, other actors in the scenes are not looking at the actress's eyes. And she's got a hat that is L3's head. I love that. So that people are looking at the droid. And so that's why the movements are so fucking cool. When you see L3 walking around, that's why she's moving so naturally within the environment. Because that's an actress moving around. They just erased her out of the scene. Fucking great. <laughs> fucking amazing. I I love movie magic. Me too. Anyway, so yeah, L3 is the co-pilot, huh? Yeah, so yeah, uh, she sits down and uh, uh, Lando and her are sitting right next door and she starts complaining. I forgot to write down everything she was complaining about that's not working. Uh, But she looks over at Lando and says, (laughs) you're gonna have to do that thing again later. And I'm like, what? Yeah, there's like some some occipital thing, which I think is something I related. Yeah. uh, On her that's not working and he's gonna have to do that thing. And he gets this look on his face like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> is that what like thing? the yeah like the you have to shave my back for me kind of look you know right yeah like <laughs> you're like eh, okay like it's not his favorite job but he'll do it because he likes her I, yeah okay whatever um l3 plots the jump to kessel and uh and han's like wait a minute wait a minute if it's just a hyperspace jump why are you guys talking about like this is so fucking tricky to do and Lando's like, no, 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 it's not just a, it's a jump to get to where we need to start. But then after that, there's like a whole cluster. There's a maelstrom. There's a lot. Yeah. It's very fucking difficult. Okay. They jump into hyperspace. The look on Han Solo's face. Aww. The first time he watches the Millennium Falcon go into hyperspace from the cockpit. That's just, that's Star Wars magic, baby. Yeah. Like, that's, that's all of us watching that for the first time. It's so good. Yeah. And also, that's when he decides, this girl is mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going I'm to take this shit. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, back in the galley, uh, Beckett and Chewie are playing Dejaric. Yes. And did you see that the, Beck, the move Beckett does is the exact same move that fucks Chewie over in A New Hope? Uh, in a New Hope? It's like the same uh-huh. same creature slamming, uh, the positioning's the same. I loved it. I love that reference. What I really liked about this, this is the same Dejaric table that we see in A New Hope, um, but this one has two extra pieces on the board than yep. it had in A New Hope because Chewie loses, smashes the, the thing, and breaks two buttons. Those pieces are gone. Yep. They will uh- never be in that Dejaric game again. <laughs> I wonder how I long it takes for Chewie to like get somewhat better at it, and then he, of course, he ends up just reprogramming the table so he always wins, which comes up in the sequel trilogy. 
Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, but but Beckett's like, hey, Chewie, hey, calm down, okay? There's a lesson here. You got to think moves ahead. You got to anticipate your opponent. Mm. Uh, and Han walks in, is like, hey, has anybody seen Kira? And Beckett goes, and people are predictable. Like, yep, this is yep. all a lesson here. Uh, foreshadow, Han- foreshadow, foreshadow. Exactly. And Han, why are you asking if anybody see? It's not a big ship, dude. Yeah. Like, take t- a couple of turns, poke your head in a couple rooms, you will find the girl. Right. Like, you don't need to ask about that, but okay. Speaking <laughs> of, he finds the girl, but what's she doing? She's trying on Lando's caves, which, by the way, Same. I love uh, Lando's cape room. Um Literally, that's all that's hung up in here. This isn't Lando's closet where all of his clothes are. All that's in there is capes. Look, that shit's expensive. They're all tailor-made, custom-fit, and he looks good in a cape. Yeah, he does. It's part of the presentation. Really does. And she can't help herself. She's trying one on. She looks fabulous in it, too. Yep. And then Han comes in, and he wants to talk about the past. He's feeling all romantical, right? Yeah, Because right. she's be- she's so pretty, and she's there, and she's... And he's like, I just want to tell you everything, and I want to hear about everything that happened to you since Corellia. And she's like, yeah, no. yeah about that. Um, you don't want to know about that. And yeah. he's like, oh, come on. And he says, and she says, no, I want to tell you everything that's happened. But I know if I do, you won't look at me the same. Oh. Oh wait, what'd you do? Yeah, <laughs> like oh, that's so. <laughs> wait, what did you? What did you do? That's but my Han. Notes. Han's thinking with his dick and. Um, yeah. He's, he glosses right over that. He's like, nothing's going to change anything about the way that I'm we're making out in the closet. Which, that was hot. Yeah. Until Beckett fucking interrupted. Beckett cock blocks. Yeah. Well, Beckett cock blocked on purpose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was super intentional. Yeah. Um, Beckett pulls Han out and he's warning Han. He's like, you're making a big mistake. You do mm-hmm. not know her well enough. Uh, Han's like, uh-uh, me, 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 me. So, I knew her super well. I knew her when we were 19. Oh yeah, and, and suddenly I'm having flashbacks trying to talk to uh, 40-year-old me talking to 20-year-old <laughs> co- co-workers and, being, and me telling them it's not the end of the world, that you lost out on whatever opportunity, date, whatever it is, etc. And they're like, I want to die. I want to set okay. myself on fire. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I really feel like this is, this is exactly that. Beckett is Han's voice from the future. Yeah. You know, being like, dude, you got to stop. You need to trust no one. He tells him, assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed. Han says, that's a lonely way to live. And and Beckett's like, it's the only way, which. It's the only way. Yeah. Ain't that the truth in a scoundrel world? Yeah, because scoundrels, baby. Yeah. Because because everybody's a betrayer of everybody. Like, it's all a mess. Okay. Right about now, we pull up to the Acadie's Maelstrom. Looks like a nice place, you know, made of cotton no. candy and love and joy. It looks like hell. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like hell in space. So real quick, the Acadie's Maelstrom mm-hmm. is a ginormous cluster of matter in the Kessel sector of the Outer Rim. Uh, it contains interstellar gas, carbonbergs. Mm-hmm. giant planet-sized carbonbergs, which is like an iceberg but made out of carbon. Nice. Ice chunks, assorted large space debris, including the shattered corpses of any ship that flew in there. Yeah. Uh, and um, also, possibly, some fauna. Some creatures Yay. that exist in that space. Okay. And that's where they're going to fly through. But they're not flying into the mess because there is a lovely, well-lit channel straight through it. 
Yep. That kind of it, well, it's not straight through. It kind of weaves through, and you just have to follow the lights and stay in your lane. Can you imagine like, the trial and error that it took to figure that out? Like how many right. people died? <laughs> Can you imagine the highway construction crew that had to go in there and set up those beacons? God damn! Oh my god! Yeah. I hope they got hazard pay. Yeah, so uh, uh, this one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Uh, Lando looks over at L3 and is like, You need anything? Equal rights? Uh, <laughs> that uh, that cut deep for me, you know? Yeah? Yeah. 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 I feel you, L3. Uh, I love her. I know. Um, so they are flying through this uh, you know, gentle little flight through this, this channel, through the maelstrom, and there's these big boom noises outside, even though sound doesn't travel in space. Yep. But you know what? You know you know what galaxy has never given a fuck about that particular law of physics? A galaxy far, far away. That one. Yeah. So Y'all y- y'all care about physics, go watch Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go somewhere else. Okay? Yeah. This ain't this ain't we, yours. We like a galaxy where you can hear the sonic detonator go off when Django drops that out the back. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so satisfying. Anyway, Kira comes onto the bridge, she's like, Oh my god, what's all those noises? And L3's like, it's the Carbonbergs, it's a whole thing. Um, also, there's a maw somewhere out there. We gotta stay in the channel to be safe. And then it's time for girl talk with L3. Oh my god. <laughs> because she just turns to Kira and she's like, so what are you gonna do about your little problem? Hmm? <laughs> what? What problem? Yeah, she's like, well, you are branded by Crimson Dawn. Clearly you're committed, but that young male human is definitely in love with you. Yeah, I can I can hear his heartbeat. Like, Arr. Exactly. And Kira's like, uh, uh, no, no, he's totally not. And L3 goes, oh, please. It's just us. You don't have to pretend. I'm in the same situation. <laughs> I would like to give Amelia Clark her own, her own personal Oscar. For the facial journey she takes during this I, conversation, right? right? <laughs> like it's it, amazing. It's, it goes from confusion to dread pretty quickly, <laughs> and then morbid curiosity, and then morbid curiosity. <laughs> yeah, because because who is L three talking about? Uh, L three is like I'm sure you've noticed. Lando has feelings for me, and uh-huh. <laughs> Kira's like what? <laughs> but I don't feel the same for him. But Kira's very polite. Kira's like, oh yeah, no, totally, uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go on. Yeah, and yeah, and so like, yeah, L three is like, but I don't feel the same about him. And so I, you know, we have a pretty professional relationship. And then Kira has to ask the question that, by the way, we have asked on this show exactly so many times about Kira so many different is people. us, right? Kira is us. Kira's like, so how would that work? It works. Kira asked how y'all fucking. Yep. Oh my god. I was so validated. I'm watching this with Lucas and he just looks at me. He's like, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I will never allow anyone to tell us that we shouldn't be asking that about Star Wars ever again because Star Wars asked that shit about Star Wars. Thank you, Star Wars. God damn it. Validation! (laughs) Everything, Everything we've done on this podcast is now true and correct. There. Thank you, Kira. You're my favorite now. <laughs> That's why I love her. I may be running a little far with that validation, but whatever. Who's going to yeah, stop me? Fuck it. Exactly. Um, and like, I believe L3. I believe that they totally did bone at one point. Lando caught feelings and she's like, look, I'm really focused on the fact that I'm your slave right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. Anyway. 
We are flying into Kessel. Would you like to know about Kessel? Please do. It looks Pretty like sure such a we've fun, luxurious before, place. But... Yeah. So Kessel is a planet within the Acades Maelstrom in the Outer <laughs> Rim. Yay. Its primary exports are spice, coaxium, and the misery of the millions of beings enslaved to mine those resources. Yay. Kessel is bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Uh, and as we land at the spice mine, and we've seen spice mines before, going through Clone Wars, we've seen spice mines before. Um, they're terrible. Yeah, uh, but I, and I love how the design of this place is ident- almost identical to what it looks like in Clone Wars. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, too much, actually. I had flashbacks to the D Squad uh, arc, <laughs> and like, no, not again. <laughs> no, I like that when they're flying in. Lando's looking out the window. He's like, ugh, mining colonies are the worst. Isn't Bespin a mining colony? Yeah. <laughs> but this is luxurious, right? It's up in the clouds. Right. It's really exactly. nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Um, so they land. A foreman guy comes out. And is that supposed to be a pike? Yeah. Okay. Except this It's pike, not a very good pike. It, not the best pike. And it doesn't know any basic. It's like if you're going to be successful in a galaxy far, far away, you got to know basic. I like to think he does know basic. He's just fucking with Kira. Probably. Um, because they're going down, uh, and they're like, let me see. Oh, before they landed, Beckett was like, okay, everybody knows the plan. Stick to the plan. Don't improvise. And I, I'm going to need to ask hey, Charles. I know you're listening. From Gold Squadron Gaze. Hi, honey. With the heist rules, we have our, we've established two things. One, if you discuss the entire plan first and then do the heist, you're going to, you're fucked. Two, if you discuss the plan while intercutting that with scenes of doing the heist, you will be successful up to the point where you stop doing that. What? How does this rule apply to we didn't even discuss the heist? Yeah. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. it apply? And don't improvise a, a yeah. specific call out. So um, follow up with us later in um, Discord. I'm sure you will. <sighs> if anybody would like to watch Charles torment Chris with his blow-by-blow response to our podcast episodes that happens every week uh in our discord just join our patreon thanks i hate it (laughs) (laughs) i love it um anyway so yeah this guy's a shitty looking pike and uh did you notice what beckett was wearing when they get off the ship he was wearing that same the same mask that uh lando wears in return of the jedi when he's sneaking into jabba's palace and pretending to be a bounty hunter I it's love his it. Bounty hunter disguise, which also implies that shit is just kept in the back room on the Falcon, and Hans probably mm-hmm. had to wear that a couple times for a few fucking things too. Well, and it's so much cleaner right now. Go than figure. It is later. You know, figure. I, I like to imagine that you know Lando's like, okay, I'll just use my old bounty hunter disguise, and he hauls it out from like underneath all this dirty laundry <laughs> back of the Falcon, and he's like, what Ooh. did you do? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Han and Chewie are uh, posing as slaves. They are in shackles. And, like, how many fucking times has Chewie got to do this? Poor Chewie. So many times. Can we come up with a different plan, please? No. Uh, no. Kira is wearing a Lando cape. She looks hot. Right? Go, ma'am. And uh, she's there to trade these slaves for some spice and stuff. Like, that's her whole thing for being there. Um and there is one moment, uh, and th- this bluff totally works, and they get in. And L3 is translating for her the whole time. It's great. Kira goes over to Han, punches him, like it's like she's slapping around her slave, and uses that as a disguise for handing him his gold dice for luck. Aw, she still has them. Aww. Right? I'm not sure why we had to wait till now to hand them over, but we did. Because it's a tool of manipulation, Stephanie, but that's a spoiler. Ooh. Ooh. 
So uh, they get escorted back to a control room where there's a whole bunch of droids working a whole bunch of systems and there's a handful of guards in there as well. Um, Beckett has to stay in the room with all the droids while Kira and L3 go in to negotiate with the foreman. And by some unspoken signal, now we're attacking. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's when Han and Chewie are in the elevator and they start uh, uh, kicking ass and the camera goes out. The little droid starts to freak out and L3 is like, oh, shit. And uh, Beckett notices uh, something's happening. So he's like, hey, guys, can you hold this for me? <laughs> Throws his tosses his uh, spear at the two guards and then shoots them. And that's uh-huh. when the, that's when the insanity ensues. He straight up murders everybody living that's in that room. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, in the elevator, Han and Chewie have taken out their guards. Chewie did it by ripping the dude's arms off. And holy crap, we finally get to see that. Right? And Han's annoyed, though, because he's like, that was the uniform that would have fit me. And Chewie (laughs) throws the arms down like, well, fine. Yeah, I know. Chewie's just like, (laughs) I hate you. Um, Meanwhile, in the room, the, the foreman, like, peeks out the window and we see, because, reminder, Kira's really short. Yeah. Uh, so we never see her through the window. <laughs> <laughs> but we see the foreman's head fall, pop right into the window. And then he drops out of frame. And you see, like, a, the cape fling by. And then there's L3 in the background. She's going, whoa. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I was like, Kira went full Batman. It was fucking great. And we go into the room and, and L3's like, I have never seen anyone do anything like that before. And Kira's like, it's Terrace Kasi. Would you like to know about Terrace Kasi? I knew this was coming. Yes, please. Terrace Kasi is a form of hand-to-hand combat that was created specifically to fight Force users like the Jedi. Dryden Voss taught Kira. Kira is now a master of it. We will discuss later who taught Dryden Voss. Mm, why would they need to know... Why would they need to do attack force users? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Like, that seems like a very specific thing. But apparently, apparently, it also works on people who are not force users. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. I'm sure. Uh, so they've taken out everybody they need to take out. L3 goes out into the control room. She needs to deal with some of the terminals, but there's a droid in the way. So she pops the restraining bolt off the droid. Yep. And she's like, Congratulations, you're liberated. Scoop. I don't know. Free your brothers and sisters or something. Just give me some space. And the droid toddles off and she gets to work. Hacking the system so that she can guide Han and Chewie to the vault. Yep. Meanwhile, very quickly, like a like a domino effect, all the droids in the room are free. Yeah, I noticed that one gonk droid just starts smashing controls and goes uh-huh. gonk, and I just love that part. I was like, yay, gonk. <laughs> <laughs> I cheer for the gonk. There's that one droid that goes freedom and smashes a button, and now all of the shackles on all of the slaves in the entire complex have been let go. We have overcorrected. Yes, um, they were supposed to be a minor distraction. Now there's a riot. Yeah, yeah. Chaos. Whoops. Fucking crazy. Um, so yeah, shit's popping off now. Yeah. It's going well. Um, Chewie and Han are going through the hallways. Chewie spots some Wookiees. And apparently that's his family. Though my, This is my only criticism of the I don't think movie. that's his family. I think that's just Wookiees. I suppose... It, well, so a friend of mine was like, is that Chewie's family? I'm like, I don't know, but it would be nice to confirm. But they don't confirm. No, I think it's just Wookiees. Here's the thing, he though. Just saw, he just saw some Wookiees. Remember, his whole goal for being out here is to liberate Wookiees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, tribe or family, not sure which, which was said earlier, right? So maybe those are just fellow... I think just, he would have rescued any Wookiees, regardless of their affiliation to him. Yeah, because we also know, since it's canon now, we know who his family members are, and right. there ain't no fucking way he's going to try to go back to them, So, and I don't, <laughs> and I don't fucking blame him. Yeah, well... <laughs> Okay, that was a that was a 
eerily good. Okay. He wants to go help the Wookiees. And Han's like, we need to stick to the plan. We got to go this way and get to the vault. And Chewie's like, but, but, but Wookiees. Han starts to stomp off. Sighs, turns around, goes back and gives Chewie his weapon. And, and he's like, I hope I see you around sometime. Oh, honey, you're never getting rid of each other. Never. You two are bound to each other forever. For And I love the look on, on Chewie's face because he's like, wow, that's, I really like you. Yeah. You know? He's like, fuck, I owe you all the life debts. Yeah. Fuck. So uh, he radios up to the crew, Han does, and he's like, uh, I'm on my way. I lost Chewie. And Beckett's like, is he dead? And the tone is, how is Chewie dead and you survived? Yeah, pretty much. Because because Chewie's bigger and more competent than you. <laughs> like, no, he just had something else to do. Cool. Han gets to the vault. There is one guard guarding the vault. He's like, okay. And then he goes, and I swear to God, Han Solo either rolls a 20 or a 1 on his bluff checks. Yeah, pretty much. Every time, this one's a 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it? Because he does end up having to kick the guy in the balls. Uh. I wouldn't know how to classify that other than fu- <laughs> other than to say fucking Han Solo going for the balls. Fucking Han. Fucking Han. And he does. He kicks him in the balls and Beckett and Kira were watching on the on the screens and they're like, that was... That was good. Really that good. was good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> this, poor, this poor dude, though, he gets into the vault. He finds the coaxium. It's all in these hypercooled things. But as, as soon as he starts moving them, they'll start warming up. If it gets too warm, they will explode. And he has to move 12 of them by himself. Great. and Because he lost his Wookiee. Yeah, and they're heavy as shit, so... Yep. Whoops. <laughs> when, before coaxium is refined, it's really quite bulky. That's why you have to refine it. Yep. Meanwhile, what's Lando doing during all this? Lando is writing his novel, I wrote. Like, what? Uh, he's literally talking to this machine that has a, a, a nice projection of him, and he is uh-huh. discussing his, his adventures with L3. He plans to write a memoir. The Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> I would read the shit out of that. Uh, me so, too. Me too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Lando hears a noise outside, and then there is suddenly a lot of people flooding out of the entrance to this facility. And Lando's like, "Hey, L three, uh, what what happened?" And L three's like, "Yeah, we did a breakout." <laughs> He's a little- like, "What did you do?" She's like, "I found my true purpose, Lando. <laughs> I'm so glad we took this job." She's having so much fun now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the droids are her compatriots. She is now leading them to to revolution Rebel. and ending, ending subjugation and rebellion. It's so fucking great. God, yeah. I love her. I hope nothing bad happens to her. <laughs> fucking Star Wars. Yeah, fucking Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I love this character so much. Die. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. 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 So Han is struggling with the really heavy cart full of really heavy, highly explosive shit. He's about to get jumped by some guards. He's like, Beckett, what do I do? And Beckett's like, I don't know, improvise. You said said not not to improvise. (laughs) And then surprise, Chewie and several other Wookiees. That's good backup. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the first time we get a really good look at the other Wookiees. And look, I've said this before in the holiday special. Right. And I'll say it again. We now have more evidence that Chewbacca is an exceptionally handsome Wookiee. Yep. Like, a lot, their promo photos for this movie <laughs> show him, like, posing with Han, and Chewie is fucking smoldering in yeah. these pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, romance novel cover. According to Lucas, my husband, I showed him the picture, and he's like, oh, that's a romance novel cover. I'm like, it is! <laughs> he's fucking majestic, and he's and he's got the bedroom eyes thing going on, like, Chewie, stop. But these other Wookiees, they're... um, They're uh, different. 
homely. Everyone's beautiful <laughs> in their own way. Um, yeah, I agree. These other Wookiees were horrifying. <laughs> I feel I feel like Chewbacca is like the fucking the Brad Pitt of of Wookiees. Yeah. The whoever pick pick your fucking ridiculous like young Brad Pitt, not current Brad Pitt. Young Brad Pitt. I don't know. I really like Bullet Train Brad Pitt a lot. I don't like Brad Pitt as a person. Yeah. So no, 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 when no. he was younger and he wasn't as problematic as he is now, uh, that's when I'll compare. You know what? Let's move away from Brad Pitt. Somebody else, astonishingly good looking. He looks like a Hollywood fucking star. Yeah. Compared um, to these other Wookiees. Yeah, I agreed. Anyway, um, it says in my notes in all caps: If this whole sequence was a game, I would play the shit out of it. Right. And that I think is the goal. If you're got, if you're making a Star Wars movie, there needs to be a point where the people who are watching it are so involved, they're like, "I want to help shoot. I want to help like shoot out these guys that are getting to the cannons to try and shoot at the Millennium Falcon so they can't get away. I want in on this scene. I want to play in this. I want like that. I feel like is the Star Warsiest thing. If you can suck your audience in to wanting to be a part of the action. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember uh, when a video game called X-Wing came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It was a flight simulator game. And you're, like, given the promise, you can fight, you can fly on your own X-Wing and shoot, destroy the star- the Death Star. It's like, yes, absolutely. That's what I want to do. That's 100%. What yeah. I wanted, that's, why, that's why Star Tours is such a popular ride, even though it breaks canon all over the place. Yeah. Because you're in the story. Exactly. And this, I really feel like, like, Lucas and I were talking about it. This movie is the Star Warsiest. Absolutely, like, I agree. Even though there's not a single lightsaber, nobody even says the word Jedi for the whole movie. This is why it is the Star War. This right here, like where it makes you want in on it. It makes you want to sit in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. It makes you want to be with these people and going through these super fucking cool adventures. Like, That's I it. love this movie. I am so mad at past me for hating on this movie for the five years it's been since I watched it. Because I've been watching this movie for five years now. And I you just needed to go through your trauma and and host your own <laughs> podcast. I have an idea. We can we can uh, start our Gilmore Girls podcast now, and you'll love that shit too. <sighs> <laughs> Silence is deafening. <laughs> so hey, uh, anyway. all coming out. L three is out there. She's got her fist up in the air. She's saying rebellion. They're getting all the coaxium loaded on. Those extra Wookies are very helpful for this part. Thank God, because they're hauling all the coaxium onto the ship. Um, Everything, the all the coaxium is on. Fantastic. We are ready to go. Lando's like, where's L3? He sees her. She gets shot the fuck down. God damn it. Fucking Star Wars. And then Lando, who has stayed on the ship this whole time. Lando, who has not put himself in so much as a half an ounce of danger, except for standing by the ramp and shooting at people. Yeah. Goes tearing off across this battlefield. Yeah. Because he really does have feelings for her. And he's going to go save her. And he grabs her. He can only get like her torso and head. (laughs) And he carries, he's carrying that back towards the ship, but he gets shot. Mm -hmm. And now he is tragically out there in the middle of the battlefield. Meanwhile, the other Wookiees are trying to convince Chewbacca to leave with them. And Chewbacca's like, grunt, grunt, growl. And I have to assume that that all translates to be, no, I have to stay here with these fucking idiot humans. They're all going to get themselves killed. Yeah, that's what I basically think too. Um, yeah, because then he immediately goes over to Lando and scoops up Lando and L3 and carries them onto the ship. Well, actually, there's an important part uh, I oh, want to skip I'm over. Sorry. So Lando does also get shot. Han is looking and initially it looked like Han wanted to go up the ramp. But he looks and sees that somebody is in danger. Last minute changes Aww. his mind and rushes out after Lando. 
except Han is not is not very strong, so he cannot lift Lando and L three at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So then Chewie goes out. So this is like this is classic Han Solo, where he's like, "Nope, I'm not helping. Fuck it, I'm not. All right, fine. Fuck it, I'll, oh, I'll yeah. help." Yeah, that's legit. That's very legit. And like, congratulations for the story for bringing us those beats. Congratulations to um, Alden Ehrenreich. For showing us all of that. Yeah. For that that conflict where he's like, God, I want to be a tough guy, but fuck. Yeah. Uh, shout and out. And like, he doesn't even like Lando. No. But he sees somebody yeah. innocent hurt, and he's going to help him. Uh, shout out. Innocent-ish. To- innocent. Somebody he kind of respects. He sees somebody in trouble. Yeah. And that's somebody who's a member of his crew right now, so yeah. he's going to scoop him up. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Kira, who decides that she's done with everything. She uh-huh. uh, she busts out a bunch of thermal detonators and starts blowing shit up everywhere. And I love that part. I loved watching her come hollering out of that just like guttural battle roar coming out of that ship when a handful of thermal detonators just starts throwing them. She turns around and yells at all these boys who've been dicking around outside. She's like, get in, we're leaving. I'm like, oh, oh, I love her. I know, <laughs> oh, right? Oh, shit. I love her. Uh, Lando is uh, busy dealing with L3, who is dying in his arms. Somebody no. needs to fly the ship. It's Han. Yeah. Han has to go and fly the ship out. L3 legit tragically dies in Lando's arms. Hate it. And what... Yeah, no, I'm upset about it. But what I do like about how they handle this is nobody's like, oh my god, Lando, it's just a droid. Everybody is very respectful of this. Yeah. Like, that's his friend who just died. Nobody treats her as property or as anything less than a person who had a deep impact on Lando. I love it. It was fucking great. Um, anyway, so now Han is flying them into the maelstrom. And this should be easy, right? Like there is a well-lit path to get out of the maelstrom. Yeah, yeah. Except there's a fucking Star Destroyer right in their pathway. Dude, the reveal of the Star Destroyer was amazing. Um, because the channel that they go through is not that big. No. And so the Star Destroyer is just lurking there, just sitting on it like a shark. Yeah. And you don't even really see it very clearly until lightning flickers through the maelstrom and lights it up from behind, which is a device that they will use repeatedly during this whole sequence. Fucking cool, man. So Uh, fucking cool. uh, Shout out to the score. Uh, They were playing some old school New Hope Imperial music uh, when Mm -hmm. we saw that. And I was just like, oh, God. Uh, So fucking Han is like, okay, it's not a big deal. We're just a small <laughs> ship. There's no way Fucking they're going to launch a bunch of tie, uh, TIE fighters after us. And then, of course, naturally, they launch a bunch of TIE fighters after them. That's the first thing they fucking do. And That's so, the first fucking thing they do. While Lando is in the middle of saying, hey, we should turn around and go the other way, Han just fucking throws it into gear and turns the ship around and goes the other way. Right. Uh, so we so. see a different kind of, of TIE fighter get launched out. Oh, yeah? So, so Steph, Yeah, I noticed like- it was like slightly wider. Yeah. So, Steph, would you like to know about the TIE RB Heavy Starfighter? I would love to hear this. Uh, they're Imperial TIE fighters with thicker armor, of larger viewpoint and a viewport, and has extra reinforced uh, transparent steel. Uh, these are oh. the precursors to the TIE bombers. They just simply have more laser firepower and are also more expensive, which is ultimately why they got retired. <laughs> I was about to say, why don't we see them again? Oh, they're expensive. Because uh, they're expensive, and it's like... um uh emperor uh yeah the spreadsheet thing that you've had that's a couple years old now we're like running out of money we need to really start cutting some corners <laughs> nobody actually knows how to work pivot tables anymore you yeah. killed you got the guy killed who did yeah so. uh, yeah this who is count dooku again <laughs> <laughs> can we talk to him it looks like he's the creator of the document no okay cool, 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 cool. yeah 
<laughs> so they are flying back uh, up the channel. They're like, we got to get away. And Lando's like, you cannot. We we have a problem because we need to go faster because we have coaxium on the board. It's going to explode. Uh, but we can't. Nobody can make the Kessel run in less than 20 parsecs. And Han's like, fucking watch me. We're going to go into the maelstrom. Naturally, fucking on. Of course, of course. But we need L3. So what needs to happen is plug L3 to download her into the Falcon's Nava computer because she's got the big brain, right? Right. Full of all the navigation stuff. And so that's Lando's run off to do that. Kira is sitting in the co-pilot seat with Han. And Han says, I got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> Bless his heart. And look, this whole chase sequence through the maelstrom is fucking cool. Han fucks up this ship so hard. So hard. Oh my god. Uh, and again, my- with, again with the music, it calls back to the original trilogy. It's the asteroid mm-hmm. belt sequence uh, song. Which is funny because they're in basically uh, yeah. the world's, ver- the galaxy's worst version of an asteroid belt. Yeah, where the asteroids move around a lot and it's super dangerous and hard to see. So, um, Which is funny to me because so by the time we get to Empire Strikes Back, Khan's going to be like, oh, an asteroid belt, but there's no giant ass creatures, no maelstrom. Eh, fuck it, let's just go It's in. totally fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, the, it definitely explains his sort of laissez-faire attitude towards going into asteroid belts. <laughs> yeah, because he's he done it before. <laughs> he's done. He's seen worse. So yeah. much worse. Um, so also in the cockpit with them is Chewbacca. He's sitting in the back seat, and it's a good thing he is because Han's like, "You need to divert auxiliary power to the rear shield." And Kira's like, "Yeah, we totally do." She doesn't know how to do that. Chewie stands up, starts flipping a bunch of switches, and gets it done. And Han looks at him and goes, "Since when do you know how to fly?" And Chewie's like, "100 and 90 years old." You look great. Uh, this triggered me because in the <laughs> uh, in the Millennium Falcon ride at Disneyland, uh-huh. you know, you're given like indicators and like you know, you're told shields almost destroy blah blah, and you're screaming, "Hey, the engineer really needs to hit those buttons to fix the shield." And then like somebody will call back, "Yeah, they do," and I'll be like, "You're the engineer, fucking hit the buttons." <laughs> I hate going on that ride with people who don't know what they're doing. Anyway, sorry. I know. Um, I know. So Privilege. Kira, uh, Kira is not. Uh, is not. She doesn't have any pride about this. She's like, you know what, Chewie, have a seat. I'm gonna go help Lando. Chewbacca sits down in the in the co-pilot seat, and Han and Chewie flying the Millennium Falcon together for the first time gets the fucking Star Wars theme. Yep, it gets the heroic theme. Tears. Da, 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 da. Oh my god. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Did I sing the wrong theme? I feel like I sang the wrong theme. Right no, now. I think you got the right one. I'm just very excited. I know. Um, so, yeah, the chase goes from bad to worse, and everything is very tense. The coaxium is heating up. They do get L3 downloaded into that Nava computer. Great. They're flying. They break into, like, a weird, dark, quiet spot. And there's the nothing terrifying or awful in this area. No, 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 it's fine. Um, L3 <laughs> has mapped the maelstrom and indicates that they are approaching the Maw. And Beckett says the most accurate thing that's ever been said in this movie. That doesn't sound like something we want to be approaching. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. The power gets zapped out. Now it's super dark on the ship. They hit some buttons. They get the power back on just in time to see a giant eyeball open up in front of them. That legit jump scared me. Oh, yeah, me too. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my God. God. And then you can see other eyes opening up nearby. So and it's like, eyes. why are there so many eyes? And then it gets keeps getting worse. It's now there are tentacles and there's yeah. lightning surging yeah. through the tentacles. And oh, my God, fucking run. And it's bigger than any uh, capital ship I have seen. 
It is, it is a giant eldritch horror beast. Would you like to know what it is? Yes, please. That giant eldritch horror beast in space is a Summa Verminoth. A what? Go with it. It is a space-dwelling species most notable for their massive size, numerous eyes, and electrified tentacles that they use to capture prey. Here's the thing. This creature started out as a joke. What? While they were working on storyboarding and developing the sequence, somebody in the room was like, ha ha, wouldn't it be funny if like the falcon flew like through a giant space jellyfish? And they were like, ha ha, that would never happen. It evolved into this. Oh my god. And the crew referred to this creature as the Spaceopus. <laughs> Spaceopus? Spaceopus. Yep. So there you go. Uh, so now they have to escape the Spaceopus that definitely wants to fucking eat them. Uh huh. But it has chased them because it is chasing them like a horror movie monster should. Yeah. Directly to the fucking mall. Which is a big ass gravity well that looks terrifying. Yeah. 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 And this is where I realized that in Star Wars E's gravity well is is means black hole. Yeah, pretty much. It's a fucking black hole. Anyway, um, so Han is like, I'm going to distract it. Watch. And poor Lando has to watch as Han Solo fucking launches his escape pod. Yeah. To lure the beast over to the maw. Which works. It works. And we get to watch. Get to watch. We have to watch as the space opus, which was just sleeping. It was was having a perfectly nice nap time in its little maw maelstrom space and then this fucking ship shined a light right in its eyes it woke up as grumpy and i feel that and then it was hungry hangry even and i feel that too and then it got a snack and now its skin is being literally peeled off of its bones by a spinning gravity well oh well it's still horrifying so bye felicia (laughs) (laughs) you're so speciesist what if he's the most handsome sum of ermanoth you've ever seen it's still it's still bigger than a superstar destroyer and no fucking thank you oh now it's a size thing uh you said it before there is a thing as too big there's such a thing as too big you're right you're right you're right um so hooray the the beast has been destroyed but the ship is still still being pulled into the maw Chris, what's their entirely sensible solution to this problem? Hey, let's take some of the coaxium that hasn't been refined yet, put a drop of it into the engine, and we'll get some extra speed out of it. What? This, yeah. This super volatile substance that could explode uh-huh. at any moment. Let's just put a drop of it into our engine. What? Into the fusion core. <laughs> oh, my God. God. Okay. And, and it turns out... Y'all thought Jedi were reckless. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't really have a choice. Like, they were going to die one way or the other, right? Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that Han Solo just invented nitrous, a la Fast and Furious, but for spaceships. <laughs> it's about family. <laughs> it's about family. They get the extra boost they need. They escape them all. They escape the entire uh, maelstrom. And apparently, in so doing, did bypass the Imperial blockade. Yay. Congratulations. Good job. Um, so we see a peaceful desert setting on Severine. <laughs> Would you like to know about Severine? Yes. Severine is a planet located on a spur of the Kessel Run. It's just right there. It's in the neighborhood. Uh, it is covered in sandy land masses and huge oceans. Oh, that's nice. That's all. It's also the home to some pretty traumatized people, but we'll get into that. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, this guy on Savarine is minding his own business and suddenly his radio crackles to life and you hear Han Solo going, we have some coaxium that needs to be offloaded immediately. Like immediately, like immediately. Right I'm flying in right now. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The Falcon still going way too fucking fast because, you know, coaxium in the core comes in for a landing on half her landing gear because, by the way, uh, Han fucking knocked half their landing gear off. Yeah, because he was doing a cute little trick. It worked. It worked. It worked. But I feel like I feel like that that cost benefit analysis was not well done. I uh, didn't have time to do it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway, the Falcon lands and she's beat to shit. She's smoking. Yeah. She looks fucking awful. I Han hate it. Solo, what did you do? And it, <laughs> but it does look more like how we know the Falcon today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so they do manage to get the coaxium offloaded, offloaded safely uh, to get chilled. Han is like trying to tell a random guy that he did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Guy and, does not give a fuck. And, and uh, Chewie says something and Han looks at Chewie and is like, well, if you round down, it's 12. <laughs> oh, good. So Han's lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Poor Lando is standing there on the sand, staring at the wreck of his ship. Hate God it. damn it. Han comes up, throws an arm around him, and says, She is a hell of a ship. And Lando says, I hate you. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Oh, because we're not going to get an I love you, I know moment here. It's no. Have to be, I it's you. I hate you. And Lando's like, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go wait on my ship in my quarters and wait for you to bring me my share of this payday, and then I never want to see you again. Never? And I feel like that's fair. <laughs> and that's adorable. Uh, you guys are never going to get away from each other. I know, right? Yeah. Ever. Uh, so, yeah. So Han wander, eventually wanders to find his girlfriend. Um, and he asks uh, Kira. He wishes. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so where's your boss? And she says, well, you know, you deliver, you'll get paid. And that's not what he's asking. Because uh, he was asking her, you know, what are we going to do after Mm-hmm. And she's trying to tell him, Han, it can't happen. Uh, right. I'm not with him, but I owe him. And right. once you are with Crimson Dawn, this is going to be the way it's going to be. Han- right. She tells him, everyone serves somebody, Han. Hmm. Hmm. And Han doesn't buy it uh, at all. He He's very passionate about Kira coming with him. Um, and she's just like, you do not want to make an enemy of Crimson Dawn. And Han's like, I don't care. I'm an outlaw. Which I'm like, oh. I know. Wasn't that the cutest? I'm an outlaw. Sure you are, sweetie. Sure, Jan. So, uh, yeah, Han, bless his heart. He's like, I'm an outlaw. I'm a bad guy. I'm super totally a bad guy. <sighs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You're a hero. But this, but this moment is really, really well done by both of them. Because you can see Alden Ehrenreich is giving us like this perfect wannabe tough guy, blustery, charming smile thing that is absolutely trademark Han Solo when we see him later. Yeah. Only it's not wannabe anymore. Yeah. It, like that's it, really who he is. Mm-hmm. But he's faking it here. And, and Alden Ehrenreich gives us that, that just enough boyish energy to it to where you can tell he's faking it. But Kira's not faking the look on her face where she's like, oh, honey, you're not an outlaw. You are the good guy. Yeah. And the look on her face says, I know I'm not a good guy because I eat good guys for fucking lunch. Yeah. That's what that is. 
exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is, they're the same age, but there's so many more miles on her soul than on his. And it, it's so interesting because Han joined the Empire. He had every right. opportunity to get broken, to do all the bad things, probably things worse than Kira's done, I think. But it, I don't think he's done anything though, because he was like he was in the academy. Right. They were training him to fly. Yeah. And then they kicked him out, and he was an infantryman charging across mud. Yeah, but in that scenario, he could have easily committed war crimes, done all kinds of horrible shit. Well, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. Which means that whatever she's done was so much worse. Oh yeah. Yeah. We don't know what, but it was worse. Yeah. Anyway, um, Beckett interrupts yet again, and he's like, "Hey, we got to go up there to get the coaxium." So they go up there. And it's real tense here. Yeah, I was like, well, holy, uh, holy Western uh, tension feels Batman. It's like you you feel like something's building. Everything's real quiet. Mm -hmm. Nobody. In fact, none of the people on this planet have spoken yet. Right. Huh. Weird. So they get up to this like bar. Beckett tries to order some brandy. uh, And the bartender just backs up and you hear a voice. Say Beckett. Ah. It's fucking Emphis Nest. What? Emphis Nest is here, and this village was was aiding and abetting this ambush. I love it. Ho ho. Fucking Han. Yeah, fucking Han. Yeah, so there there's a there is that awkward classic Western standoff between uh, the scoundrels and Emphis Nest people, and mm. Han steps forward and is like, "Oh yeah." Well, we have a whole legion of people waiting down on that ship. All I have to do is snap my fingers. And at that moment, the fucking Falcon takes off. Yeah. Lando just gave up on the payday and left. Because yeah. he hasn't been paid yet. Because they haven't been to Dryden Voss yet. They don't have money yet. What? Lando's just fucking gone. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to cut my losses and leave. And Lando's a smart one in this situation. And honestly, he might have also looked out the window and seen the emphasis nest of it all and said, nope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm out. So good job, Lando. Uh, Han, though, uh, sees that, and then he just steps back, and he's like, yeah, sorry, Beckett, you go ahead and you do your thing. <laughs> I fucked up. And that was he rolled a one. Yeah. And the situation also rolled a one on him. Well, I, I don't think any roll would have mattered. Uh, no. L- Lando was out. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Basically, like, the situation here is, uh, like, Beckett's like, look, Crimson Dawn is coming to meet with us, so if you take this coaxium, they will kill us and they will still kill you. Like, there's, we, everybody's gonna fucking die. Yeah. If, we, if we're not careful here. And, and Kira's like, eh, maybe we can find a compromise that doesn't lead to all of this killing. And Beckett's like, they're marauders. They don't care about anybody. Enfys Nest takes off their helmet. Hello. And it's a girl. A red-haired woman. Like a a young woman. Yeah, like she uh, barely looks like she could be 18. Yeah. Uh, So that is Enfys Nest. And uh, would you like to know about her actress? Please. I love her. Enfys Nest is played by Erin Kellyman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Erin Kellyman was born in Tamworth, Staffordshire, England, to an Irish mother and a Jamaican father. Hence the freckles and the fucking glorious hair. I fucking love her, yeah. I find her absolutely enchanting. Yeah. Like... I just... Oh. She's one of my favorites in Willow. Yes. Yeah. She's fucking great. Yeah. Um, This look that she's got with the glorious hair and all the freckles, there are a dozen beauty filters on TikTok that wish they could capture this. Right. She's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, also, she was 20 years old when Solo came out. 
That's crazy. She was born in 1998. Which means she was 19 when she made it. I quit. Yeah, no, quit. we are underachievers, yes. We are, yeah, we, 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 I have failed at life. So Solo is actually her fourth acting credit ever. What? Prior to that, she was in three British TV series. Wow, that's a level. Uh, yeah, and then boom, you're in Solo. And she was, after it, she played Eponine in a TV miniseries of Les Miserables. Uh, and now she's also in the MCU. In The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, she plays, um, oh, what's her name? Carly, uh, I think? Yes, I think. I don't she remember. She basically plays Infus Nest in the MCU. Yeah, it's a, yeah. So, yeah. it's essentially it. And also, uh, she, as you mentioned, is in the Willow series as the lawful good disaster lesbian, Jade Claymore. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You can't. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That's a show we should cover is like a mini thing, by the way. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, oh. but we have to do the movie first. Okay. Um. So, yeah. What does uh, what's Infus Ness got to say? So, first of all, she's like, I need a fucking drink. <laughs> and she just walks right by Beckett. And Beckett is like totally shocked. Uh, she walks in and... It, the the short version of the story is my mother uh, my mother once told me about marauders that would come and take her shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have a question for you, Steph. I know you're not a High Republic junkie, but I feel like she's talking about the Nihil. No, babe, she's talking about Crimson Dawn. She doesn't say marauder; she says mercenaries. Oh, okay. So that's where I got my that's where I got my my uh, my uh, wires crossed because um, when I on my third rewatch with a friend. They were like, are they talking about the Nihil? I'm like, no, because timeline-wise, Nihil are 150 years before. And they were like, yeah, but you would think that like a lot of people would replicate uh, what they did, which is what... Well, I feel it, like that's what Emphis Nest is doing. Right, right. And that's what I said. And so I was yeah. like, yeah, so the the look, the feel, very similar, except they're nicer looking. Well, yeah, they're yeah. using it as a disguise. Right. Um, but no, she's talking about a band of mercenaries who came to this planet and found a bunch of resources they wanted, stole all of it. And when the people who live there objected, they cut all their tongues they out. They cut all their tongues out, yeah. And um, notice everybody in this village is silent. Yeah. It's these people. And she's like, and who was it? And an old lady draws a symbol in dust, and she draws the symbol for Crimson Dawn. <gasps> Yes. Yeah, so, so it was Crimson Dawn that fucking did it. Cut all their tongues and out. And I'm looking right at, at uh, Kira, who is Yeah, this doing, is super awkward for Kira. Yeah, and who's all right like, doopy doopy doo, shifty eyes. Like, it's not me, I promise. No, it was totally her, too. It was totally, you probably cut some tongues You probably cut saying. some people's tongues out. Um. So, yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, the, we are here. You know, Emphis Nest and her people, they all start taking their helmets off. And they are all different species. They are all different peoples. Hi, Warwick Davis. Hi, Willow. Speaking of which. Just I right love- there. He he is in as many Star Wars projects as he can be. And I'm here because, for it. Yeah, I, when, I fully support this. Uh, uh, whoever is doing the next Star Wars movie, can you please cast him in a major role? Like, as a main character, please? Please? Um, But then he'd have to speak, and that's not really his strong suit. I don't care. From Willow. I don't care. The show, not the movie. Anyway, um, so it turns out they are all allies and they banded together to fight against the criminal syndicates because the criminal syndicates commit unspeakable crimes against people. Yeah. And they will use, Crimson Dawn will use that coaxium to keep committing unspeakable crimes against people. And Fisness wants to use the coaxium to fight against the Crimson Dawn. Yeah. And also these syndicates are in league with the Empire. They are are tools of the Empire to continue their oppression. Yeah. 
Yeah, so basically what we can see with our meta-knowledge of this entire saga is that right here with Enfys Nest, this is one of the seeds of the Rebellion. Yeah. So, one of the many, many cells of the Rebel so Alliance. So many. Yeah. So many. Um, and you can tell by the look on Han's face, he is 100% moved by this. Yeah, he's actually smirking a little bit. I didn't get a smirk off of that. I, I got like he was moved by her story. Yeah, absolutely. But he does smirk, yeah. Like his face was like he's smiling. He's... He's looking very, like, uh, impressed, I would say. Okay, because a smirk implies, like, a negative. Oh, really? And I didn't get that. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I don't think smirks are necessarily negative, but we can talk about this later. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get into the semantics of your facial expression terminology. Steph, when I get, like, my fourth round of uh, Botox, a smirk is all you're going to get from me when I'm smiling, okay? (laughs) You think you're going (laughs) to (laughs) smirk. If that, if that. So uh, now Han and Beckett need to talk because they definitely disagree yeah. about how to proceed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Beckett is like way off by himself near the shore. So Han walks up to him and Beckett's like, uh, so what's the plan, mofo? And Han's mm-hmm. like, I have a plan. And Han tells him the plan. Uh, off camera. Off camera. We don't know what the plan is. Enfys is watching and asks Kira... So what are they saying? And Kira, who is clearly reading the situation, says mm-hmm. they're going to help. Which kind no, of she specifically Han? Han's going to help. Han is going to try to help. Which this is the talent of Kira is a, a, her ability to read people and to predict mm-hmm. what people are going to do. She's a very very powerful person. She's magnificent. Mm-hmm. I love her. So, meanwhile, we cut back to Han and Beckett, and Beckett's like, no, I don't like that plan. God damn it! What is the plan? What plan? What the fuck is the plan? Again, this movie is going to have a plan, but not tell us what the plan is, so that we, as the audience, can also be surprised as it unfolds. Yeah. Fine. I suppose I'll let you tell me a story today. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Beckett's like, I'm leaving, and if you're smart, you will too. Yeah. And Han's like, what the fuck? And so Beckett starts to walk away. He, like, he waves to the to Chewie and Kira in the distance. They wave back. He's out. But he does turn back as he's walking away and says, if you make it through this, find me on Tatooine. Huh. Yeah, and Han's like, what's happening on Tatooine? And Beckett says, heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. Jabba. Fuck. Job. It's Jabba. It's yeah. fucking Jabba. That's why they called it a job. <laughs> Get it? I never... God damn fucking it. Star Wars fucking names, Star Wars. baby. Yeah. Every time. So, this is where my notes start to fall apart because I've had a bit of a day. I and, got it. Um, I ran out of time. So, uh, we're delivering the coaxium to Dryden Voss, yeah? Yeah, they're going to Dryden's luxury ship. Um, uh, Kira is uh, greeted and they have to turn in their weapons again. Um, guys, ask, The guy asks Han and, and Chewie for their weapons and Kira's like, no, 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 they're fine. Oh, hold, pause. Hi, Boomer. Come here, pretty girl. I was waiting. We didn't get a boomer appearance this morning. What the fuck, boomer? That's fine. That's fine. Oh, here she is. Miss Boomerica. <laughs> hey, boomer, you are the one that walked in and wanted the attention, so here we are. She doesn't seem happy with No, of course not. Um, anyway, so they get cleared to go upstairs yeah, to Drayden. Yeah, and they go right up to Drayden Voss's uh, personal chambers, which, by the way, uh, I if I buy uh, an, uh, a house again, this mm-hmm. is going to be the aesthetic I'm going for. 
It's really nice. It's up really there, fucking right? nice. I want those when windows. When it's not full of, you know, the decraniated. Yeah, yeah, I kind of liked it. Okay, I mean, I wouldn't okay. put actual. You de- do not like the decraniated. No, I, I like the shapes of the. I like the silhouette. <laughs> you like the half missing a skull? <laughs> Boomer, I am trying to put you down. You need to allow me to do that. God damn. <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> She's like, put me down, but don't, but do, but don't. Yeah, I hate yeah, you, I love yeah. you. It's like she's a cat or something. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, uh... <laughs> Sorry, I've thrown yeah. everything off. Um, so they're on their way up to... Tra- yeah. But in the elevator, in the elevator on the way oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Han looks over at Kira and he's like, we're going to win. And Kira goes, it's not that kind of game, Han. The object isn't to win, it's just to stay in it as long as you can. Uh, and Han looks at her and just says, you don't know everything. And she looks back at him and says, no, I, I know just a bit more than you, though. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Han, that this is I'm going whoop, to betray whoop, whoop. you. Yeah. Red flags, red flags. red. OK, whatever. But he's like, doop a doop do. I love her so much. She's so great. Oh, my God. God damn I it, Han. He's such an idiot. Yeah. But I do appreciate I do appreciate the, the casting of Amelia Clark in this role because it shows us that Han Solo has a type. And that type is tiny, powerful, feisty brunettes. Yeah. Uh, so. Boss bitches. Boss bitches. Yeah. So they finally make it to Dryden's. Uh, again, I want his I want his decor. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my God, where's Beckett acting all concerned? And mm-hmm. Han's like, he died. Aww. Now, we've seen him do the concern thing before. Right. When he was talking to Beckett about Val dying. So it's not super suspicious. Right. And so Dr- Drayden says, you know what I always respected about Beckett? When he makes a commitment, he always follows through. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm. And y'all, this is when shit gets crazy. So let's count the number of double crosses we're going to have in the next 10 minutes. So It gets real intense. It gets really intense really quickly. Uh, so uh, Drayden calls uh, Kira to him and sits, sits her down on the sofa with him. And he says, I have no one else in my life that I trust in the way that I trust you. And I'm like, this is getting oh, so fucking awkward. Whoop, whoop, red flag, red right? flag, red flag. He, in my notes, it says, oh my God, he knows something's up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Han's like, hey, so can we get paid now? You idiot. They always want to look at the merchandise before you get paid. Exactly. So Dryden's all, hey, open the containers. And Han's like, I can't, like, they're dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And Dryden says a very sexy thing. Hmm. I never asked for anything twice, Han. And suddenly I'm naked. <laughs> the pants are off. Dryden, you just need to ask me once, sir. I will do yeah, whatever you want. It's fine. Like I, I, mean, I think I said this pretty clearly last time. Um, I wouldn't want to spend too much time with him, but I wouldn't mind spending some time with him. Yeah, you know, you know 25 minutes is 20, 20, you know. Let's see. Let's see how many different shades of red we can turn all of those <laughs> marks on his face. Can I just like clean your face real quick, sir? Is that makeup? No, that's no, his skin. I know, I know. Even his eyes get all red. We'll see it in a minute. I know, we'll see it in a minute. Um, so uh, Han brings him some of the vials of the coaxium, and Dryden mm-hmm. looks at it and says, how did you do it? It looks like the real thing. Uh-oh. <gasps> Uh-oh. What? And Han's like, what are you talking about? It is the real thing. Blah, blah, blah. And Dryden's like, I have an associate. And Beckett walks in. <gasps> the double cross. Double cross. Uh, so Beckett's like, kid, you weren't paying attention. Don't trust anybody. I meant me. Like, yeah, <laughs> hello. Like, like, like me, also for example. Me. Yeah. 
uh, and and uh, Han says, "Well, it's too late. Emphis Nest has the fuel." Uh, yeah, we figured that we figured that was going to be the case, and so we see a shot back at the uh, at the encampment. I don't. It's not even mm-hmm. a town, really. Um, no, it's it's weird. It's like a village at well, best. Yeah, at best, and uh, the the Crimson Dawn agents are surrounding the uh, the Emphis Nest's uh, crew mm-hmm. there, and I'm like, "Girl, you are in danger. Run!" I'm all stressed <laughs> out about it. Oh no. So Dryden looks over at Kira. Is like, tell me what to do. What would you do when someone you trusted the most in the world betrayed you? Is this where he's getting real handsy? Yeah, and like grabbing and her f- by the back of the neck and stuff. I'm supposed to hate this. I'm supposed to say that this is really offensive to women and the way you treat them. But, but I want to be here right now. He's fictional, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's clearly the bad guy. Like. It's it's problematic when stories glorify behavior like this and and have it come from the hero. Mm-hmm. And and so they're like this is a good example of how to behave. Dryden Voss is bad. He's, he's super bad. He's, he's real bad. He's really bad. He's evil. And that's he's what terrible. I love that. And I want him. I mean, what? Yeah. Just for <laughs> just for a little while. Just like an hour or two tops. So Kara Cuz I really don't think it's safe after that. <laughs> no, it's not. So Kara says, "I would want to know why." I would want to know why the person betrays you. And then to test their loyalty, I would ask them to sacrifice something they love. And then the camera shoots, uh, pans off the hand. And it's like, oh, no. It's Han, but that's okay. Han, sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, You're so, channeling your inner Lando. I know. So Han, Han, Han suddenly announces, well, actually, you're wrong about one thing. And everyone mm-hmm. stops. And it's like, what? Um, and Han says... You choked Beckett. You cho- You told Chewie that people were predictable. Well, you're no exception. And <gasps> back at the village, uh, the Crimson Dawn people open one of the cases, and it's fucking empty. And <gasps> then the person, the double cross, the, another double cross. So it's two. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, person in, in the emphasis mask takes it off, and it's the older woman we saw earlier. And then uh-huh. all of a sudden, I have in my notes, Willow launches a missile launcher. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Get it, Willow. And Infus Nest uh, comes down from the sky, drops down their spear, and all shit fucking uh, takes, take, kind of takes off. Um, and yeah, I love no, it. they fucking murder they all murder of Dryden's all of people. Yeah. yeah. Fucking great. So Beckett, Beckett realizes back at the ship, wait, if their case is empty... And he, he realizes that the coaxium that they have is the real coaxium. That's real coaxium. So you're all in real danger. That shit's explosive. So he goes ahead and shoots the rest of the guards in uh, Dryden's chamber and double cross. <laughs> <It's free. laughs> double cross. <laughs> it's a, but in his case, it's a double double cross. It's a tri- Yeah, double double but cross. But he's like halfway because we're still not sure where exactly he lands in this situation. He just wanted to buy himself some time to think. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Beckett announces, "I don't like. I like being the only guy in the room that has a uh, gun when we're conducting business. So this is what we're going to do. Chewie, you come with me. Take the cases with you. Dryden, girl, bye. And you, the rest of y'all, have fun. Uh huh. And he leaves. Yeah, he makes Chewie carry the coaxium out with him. And Chewie's like, all right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. fucking, I'm done. Just tell me where to go. I'm. Chewie, so rip his head off in the elevator. No. All right. Yeah. No. No. Whatever." Whatever. So then we get our, our final confrontation with Dryden. Um, Han, <gasps> Han and Dryden go hide behind uh, sofas. Dryden gets his crazy vibro knives. And mm. he, he tells Han, hey, why don't we join forces and kill Beckett? And Han's like, that's a great idea. You go first. <laughs> right. And they're so focused on each other. Nobody's paying attention to what Kira's doing. Nope. And I think that's brilliant. Uh, this fight is awesome. Uh, 
Dryden's a badass fighter. Uh, Han, he really is. Han is slightly uh, out of his element with this situation. Oh, yeah. Um and uh, Dryden tells him, you can't win, Han. And even if you could, you're going to be spending the rest of your life looking over your shoulder. Which, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the yeah, life of Han actually, Solo right there. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. Uh, so Kira suddenly stops Han. Um, I think it's because Kira's protecting Han. Because if Han kept fighting Dryden, Dryden was going to fucking kill him. Yes. So Yes, she- absolutely. She She intervenes in the fight to stop Han. But what's she really doing? Uh, she looks at Han and says one of the things I was taught was you find your opponent's weakness and use it. And then suddenly she turns around and attacks Dryden. Double cross. <laughs> Double cross. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, and then eventually <sighs> she beats him. She stabs him and kills him. Didn't she like baseball swing with a, with a blade, but like launched his own dagger into him? Uh, it, like she lets the dagger like cut into her blade because with that vibro dagger, it just cuts through any other metal easily. Right. And she uses that to get closer and then hits him hard, uh, baseball style. You're right. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, she stabs him straight up. Fucking amazing. Was, Fucking brutal. That was hot. That was hot. I love her. Yeah. I love her. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, Han's so relieved. And finally, he and Kira can uh, move on together and live in hap- yeah. happy bliss, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, they don't have the coaxium, but there's plenty of stuff in that room that yeah. they can pawn and Kira or whatever. Point, Kira points it out. She says, you need to, you need to go save Chewie. You and Chewie need each other. Right. Which she's right. And But also, why are you saying that right now? Right. And Han's like, yeah, I, I, I should, uh, not thinking about it, I should go save Chewie. And Kira's all, I'll, I'll stay behind. You see all these great jewels just sitting around this room? I'm going to collect them all. And then that way we can buy buy a ship and live the life that we want just go never mind that they are standing in a now ownerless yacht right right han i love you fucking han <sighs> fucking han anyway he believes her and he bounces so han leaves uh and oh she says one thing um she because earlier han had asked like you know what what do you when you think about me what do you think about and all that kind of stuff so she says to him suddenly oh han smile that's the word uh, that comes into my mind whenever I imagine myself on an adventures with you. It always makes me oh, smile. It always makes me smile. And I'm like, oh, they're going to live such a happy life together. Right? Forever yeah. and ever. We certainly don't see them not together in movies later that we've been watching for our entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, so Han leaves. Kira takes Dryden's ring. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, we the, the scene starts flashing back and forth between Beckett and Chewie and Kira. Uh, but eventually Kira takes the ring, puts it into this console, and double crosses Han. So that's another double cross. Right. We're like this is like our fourth or fifth our double fifth, cross. Our fifth double cross. Jesus. And then suddenly somebody Fucking co- scoundrels. Somebody comes up on the hollow hollow uh hollow projector. Uh-huh. <sighs> my husband. <laughs> my sexy beast. But it's so much it's so much worse. Then, then, because you see, like, the robo leg. Yeah, yeah. But then he starts talking. Yes. Oh, my God. Now, unfortunately. And my pants, which I had just gotten back on, now the Dryden's yeah. dead, gone again. I never bothered putting them back on. They um, disintegrated. They disintegrated. <laughs> um, if you're watching this in closed captioning, the fucked up thing is that it spoils who this is. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is it tells you. just yeah. terrible. But anyway, um, it's fucking Darth Maul. Now, Steph, oh is that God. Sam Witwer doing the voice? Yes, so we do see that it is Darth Maul that she's talking to in this hollow. That is Ray Park, 
physically mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. portraying Darth Maul, like the original Darth Maul from Phantom Menace, that guy. But that is Sam Witwer doing the voice. My and it's God. that is a one-two punch directly to my ovaries. I cannot. I, I can't. I can't. I am not equipped to handle Sam Witwer's voice that I know so well from Clone Wars coming out of the live-action flesh and bone face of Darth Maul. That's um, so it's not okay. So the first time I saw Solo, uh, I was uh, I didn't actually see it in theaters. Confession time. I saw it. On a, I saw it on a plane. And I just ordered a bunch of drinks because I'm not a good flyer. I need to get drunk when I'm flying. That's just the way mm-hmm. it is. So I have, like, my beer. There wasn't anybody sitting right next to me, thank God. So I had uh, uh, my my backup beers to my right. And um, I'm, like, heads down, pouring a drink, going, God, this movie is so great. I, I'm not quite seeing the scene where Kira is putting the ring in and Maul shows up. But I hear the voice. Oh, no. And I look up. And you know how they give you those really small glasses on an airplane? I don't know if you uh-huh. remember. I have a very tall can of beer. I am, like, pouring, looking up, like, mall, And the beer oh, no. just <laughs> overflows and goes everywhere. <laughs> and I didn't fucking notice. I didn't notice until two minutes later when the flight attendant came by and go, Sir, you you just poured beer all over your tray right. and yourself. And I'm staring at the screen, like, wide-eyed, like, what is happening to me right now? But you don't understand, flight attendant. That's Maul. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like one of the coolest, like oh my god, moments in Star Wars ever. It's so it's yeah. so fucking cool. Particularly if you just you know been involved with the podcast that watched all the way through Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Oh, oh my, my god. god. So hey, guess who's in charge of Crimson Dawn? Well, we already knew because of the chronological order. It's Maul. We just didn't know right. he was still alive. Well, and it's been pointed out to me almost as many times as it's been pointed out that Solo came out. <clears throat> after Rogue One, uh, that we actually didn't hear the name Crimson Dawn until this movie. We knew that Maul was assembling uh, syndicates of, of crime lords together, but we didn't know that it was called Crimson Dawn until... Yeah, so. except Dryden Voss was right there in, in the Mandalore arc, right. so we knew Crimson exactly. Dawn was one of his syndicates. But that was season seven, which came out after this. But in chronological order, that's what I'm saying. In chronological yeah, order, yeah. yes. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Like in release order, it's way different. So we, I know, I know this. Thank, okay, okay. Thanks everybody. Thanks, appreciate it. Thank you guys. Got it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So uh, Maul is totally understandable that things didn't quite work out, and you know, yeah, he's he, fine with it. He tries to be really encouraging, emotionally supportive with Kira, right? He actually is, I think, fine with it because because of the Sith in him. Mm. He's like, all right, well, you know. Strongest survive. But what does he tell Kira? He's all, You're, come back to Dathomir and we'll figure out what to deal with the whole, with the Beckett and his crew. And he tells Kira, Kira, you and I will be working much more closely from now on. And then he, of course, ignites <laughs> his lightsaber for excellent effect. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Kira, go to him. <laughs> don't walk run right um and also this is the first time look kira's been through some intense shit in this movie right this is the first time she looks legitimately frightened Uh, she should be is she stopping though no she made this call yeah um and recall what she told han earlier in the elevator it's not about winning it's about staying in the game for as long as you can she is making her bid here to stay in the game for as long as she can and that means that you move up the corporate ladder in Crimson Dawn and you work closely with the sexiest of the sexy in the entire galaxy. 
Yeah, so I have started to read Star Wars comic books. Y'all, if you would like to see what happens to Kira uh, after this whole situation, I recommend the Crimson Rain comic series. Ooh. Fucking awesome. Kira is one of my favorite Star Wars characters, period. Recommend. I'm not going to say anything more. Okay. So then what? Yeah, so uh, Beckett and Chewie are wandering the shores, I suppose, and somehow Han uh, is ahead of them. I don't know yeah, how that works. Yeah, I have no idea how the fuck he did that. Like, did he just, like, get out of the yacht and was like, okay, running really fast, running really fast, and stop right. here, I'm going to look cool, and try not to be out of breath. Like, is that what happened? I guess. You know what? <laughs> Go with it. Yeah, so uh, so it's standoff time between Beckett and Han. Um Beckett's like, so let me guess, Dryden's dead? Yeah. Did Kira kill him? Yeah. And Beckett's just like, look, kid, you still don't get it. This is not about you. <laughs> and Han's like, you think every everybody is like you? And Beckett's like, actually, you're nothing like me. And Beckett is like about to launch into this full monologue, and he's discreetly unsnapping his, his holster. He's going to probably pull his gun out now. And out of fucking nowhere, Han busts out his gun and shoots Beckett in the chest. Yeah, fucking dead. Like dead. And I was like, oh my God. And well, he has a minute to have a quick conversation after, but he's dying. Yeah, um, I was shocked. I remember I legit had a flashback when I saw the scene of watching A New Hope for the first time and watching mm-hmm. Han kill Greedo. Like it was right. so it was so immediate and so sudden. And it like this scene was so perfect. It, I had I right. had the same like my emotional resonance like triggered when this scene mm-hmm. happened and I loved it. Um, it's really good, yeah. The f- first time I watched it, I was crying. I was legit upset because this is the end of Han's innocence, officially. Absolutely. Because hasn't Kira already flown away by this point, too? Yeah. So or She is, well, not, not quite yet. It's about to. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Han holds Beckett in his arms. Beckett is crying. Uh, I hate to say this because he's such a prick right now to me, but um, Woody Harrelson's acting in this scene. Uh, it's good. It's good. He's good at his job. He's just also a wackadoo. Yeah. So Beckett's just like, you made the smart move, kid, for once. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, ugh. Because Beckett says he would have killed him. Yeah. 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 And Han is so, uh, so sad. I'm watching Han's heartbreak right there right. as Beckett is dying in his arms. And oh, wait, the pain keeps going. Uh, so mm-hmm. after that, Han gets up and he, he's looking around and we see him watch Kira fly away in the goddamn yacht ship. Yep. And and then I'm watching Han's heartbreak in slow motion. Poor guy. Like, he had to kill his friend and his girl just flew away. Right? Like, there is no happily ever after for you now. No. All you have is a bunch of coaxium. Yeah, pretty much. Which, I mean, all you have is, like, 60 million credits. Right. However, Han is still a hero. He walks back up to Emphis Nest and gives them the coaxium. Yep. And I'm like, wow. Uh, and Enfys is telling them, look, Han, you've helped the rebellion. This is a foreshadow. Mm-hmm. You've helped the rebellion. We need leaders. We need fighters. And Han's like, I'm not. In- I don't. Han's just not interested. And yeah. Enfys keeps going. And Han says, Don't hold your breath, kid. <laughs> Haven't we heard that line before? Or will we hear it in the future? We will hear it in the future. There you go. Uh, and he and Chewie walk off into the sunset. Uh, Enfys does give them a vial of coaxium. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's not the end of the movie, though. Uh, no. So we do end on a happy note. We get to some cool, badass-looking planet. I did not find the name of the planet. I didn't either. It's just, it's the planet where they go. But it's I, not specific. I would love to play cards here because 
uh, in the middle of a jungle, there is some kind of a mountain, and in this cave, there is a room where you can play cards. Did it kind of look like Maz Kanata's place? Um, you know, I, I mean, it's a cave, so it's not a building, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me if Maz, if this is one of Maz's places. It, it, it resonated. Uh, yeah, so, um, uh, Lando is there playing cards. And, of course. And he has a fabulous white cape. Uh, uh-huh. My friend pointed out he's probably wearing white because he's mourning. And I'm like, oh, that's Aww. so sad. Uh, just, a, just a reminder, there are Japanese influences in Star Wars. So white is the color <laughs> Wait, of that. Wait, what? I know, what? right? Right? Um, Han, uh, uh, Han uh, walks up and pretends to be pissed. And Lando's like, look, I didn't mean to leave you. I just, I did leave you. <laughs> and, <laughs> I just super did. <laughs> and Han then like smiles and then uh, hugs him at the last second, uh, which is a total callback to Empire Strikes Back. When Lando is pretending to be pissed and then suddenly hugs Han. Right. But right before they hug, Han spots the device at, re- at Lando's wrist. Of course. And so, of course, Han hugs him so he can take the card. Right. <laughs> in that moment. I mean, spoiler alert, he uses that to his advantage in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so Han's like, hey, I have this thing, the Coaxium. I figure it's about 10,000 credits. Let me buy myself in. I'll play a game. And Lando's like, you really want her, don't you? The Falcon. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, yeah. So they do a whole scene where they're playing games and Lando is taunting Han saying you're about to lose. And Lando has it's like the last hand They're Either Han's going to lose everything or Lando's going to lose everything. And Lando goes to reach for that card and he mm-hmm. doesn't have it. Uh, and Lando tries to cheat. And, and of course. he can't. Um, and of course, Han has that card. So Han plays his hand. He's like, it's too bad you didn't have this card. Because uh, you would have won if you had it. Yep. And Han wins the Falcon. And poor Lando, like, uh, he looks just wrecked about it. And here's the thing. While I'm happy for Han and Chewie that they have the Falcon now. Right. Of course I'm happy for them. Um, I'm not happy for the Falcon. Because <laughs> she doesn't get, get, get upkept. She's never going to be clean ever again. Oh, my God. But also... The context here is that Han damn well knows he just won the ship away from Lando and part of the brain of that ship is Lando's dead friend, L3. He just took L3 away from him. Yep. What the fuck, Han? You know what? Fucking Han. Yeah, but in in Han's defense, uh, Mm. Lando left him for dead, so fuck him. And, okay, and that's kind of where I, I I I actually had that exact debate. Like, but he took L three. Oh my god, L three! And my friend was like, Lando left him to fucking die. Fuck that guy. And yeah, and I feel like that's their friendship. Yeah, <laughs> such as it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, is that it? Is that the end of the movie? Uh, yeah. So we the last scene is Han and Chewie in the cockpit, and Han's like, "Hey, so I heard about that job on Tatooine. Let's go check it out." And Chewie's all, and Han's like, have I ever steered you wrong before, buddy? No. And I'm like, Chewie, run. Yeah. (laughs) Is this where he puts the the dice up? Yeah, he puts it up on the visor. And that's it. And then we get the Star Wars theme song in the credits. And I'm crying. Because I fucking love this movie. And make Solo 2 happen. It's not going to happen. So... We we don't need so why do we need solo two? Because I want more. Because I want We have more. It's the original trilogy. But not with uh not with these actors. These actors were fucking excellent. They were excellent. Yeah. So I'm just I hoping just, you, 
we're not revisiting this. Or if they do, I hope they do it as a series. Oh yeah, I want I my my perfect world scenario. It's a Disney Plus series. It's these actors. More Mall with Sam Witwer as the voice, please. Because mm, Ray, oh my god, because Ray Park, uh, I love you, dude, but you're not as cool as Sam Witwer. <laughs> well, vocally, anyway. Vocally, yeah. Um, so. Uh, Final thoughts. Final thoughts on Solo. Um, once again, I'm so annoyed with past me for being such a bitch about this movie that I've missed out on five years of being able to enjoy this movie. Yeah. Because it's so good. It's And I know there are people for whom, because everybody's got their favorite thing in Star Wars, right? Yeah. It's just their thing. My favorite thing in Star Wars is the clones. Right. Hands down. Right. But there are people who don't want to watch a Star Wars if it doesn't have a Jedi in it. Sure. And I get that. You do you. But if you can stand to watch a Star Wars that doesn't have anything to do with the Force or or any kind of Jedi until the very fucking end, then this is this fucking movie is as Star Wars as it gets. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, the tragedy of this movie was the drama that came out, led up to the production of this. Um, right. You know, my friend pointed out this was only six months removed from Last Jedi. There was some fallout over that movie, which, in my opinion, is stupid as fuck. So fucking stupid. Um, Last Jedi is an excellent It's film. like one of the best. At, uh, it's yeah. one of the best films, period. Um, and so, uh, for me, like, this... I know Disney wanted this, thought this movie was going to be a big, much bigger deal. If you go on the Millennium Falcon ride, your mission is to go to Corellia to get Coaxium. Oh, uh, well. Hondo uses a ship that you see in the background in this movie, uh, very briefly. Uh, you're fighting TIE fighters that are the heavy TIE fighters we see in this movie. And the rumor was hmm. that they were going to have more scenes and scenarios for the Falcon ride, which didn't materialize. And people think it's because this movie wasn't as successful. For the record, this movie was profitable. This movie mm-hmm. uh, earned over forty-five million in profit from production to to today. Uh, but by Disney standards, it's not a. It's not right. a, you know. Well, and it's it's pretty universally shit on in the fandom. And I hate it. And that's it's so ridiculous because this movie is fucking great. It's great. Um, take it from somebody who does not enjoy changing her mind. Yeah. At all. Like, ever. pathologically. Ever. Yeah. I have completely, completely 180'd on this movie. I fucking love it. It's going It's going to be on my go-to comfort watch list because it's so fucking fun. It's such a goddamn rollicking space opera adventure with some really good, like, heart and emotional beats and character growth for Han Solo. Like, yeah. it's, fu- it's fucking, it's fucking great. And Chewie's hot. Everybody's hot. Everyone's hot. I would fuck everybody. Well, not the not the Pike person. They they can, no, not you know, the Pike. Yeah, not the no. Pike. And I feel like I feel like Emphasis is too young for me. Um, I would uh, hang out with her at Disneyland. Absolutely. Oh my god, she would be so much fun to hang out with. Yeah. But no, everybody's pretty bangable uh, for the most part. Yeah. And then and then you get the absolute screaming delight that is the amalgamation of Sam Witwer and Ray Park. Into oh my Marvel. god. Like, good. God, that's why I want Solo Two to happen. Right? That can right we? There. Do, can it just be the? Can it just be the mall show? We can do. Uh, let's do a mall show. Master and Mouse. I would like a Darth Mall show, please. Yes, please, please, and thank you. Anyway, um, in conclusion, fucking love this movie. Right. Thank you, thank you for making me watch it, Heather. I appreciate that. Well, we this did... goodwill does not transfer to Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I did not make you watch it. The podcast made you watch it. 
That's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so hey, you don't get any credit then. Right, no no credit. Speaking of which, uh, mm-hmm. Steph, mm-hmm. are you ready for what's next? <laughs> are you ready for the absolute best Star Wars ever? Oh my god, you guys. So, after this, after uh, we've... <laughs> so we're done. That, that's it for Solo, A Star Wars Story. We're done. Yeah. yeah? And we're okay. done for movies for a bit too. We are, because next time... We are going to be talking about Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> Season one, episode one, Spark of Rebellion. I can't fucking part wait. One. And we are going one episode at a time through Rebels. Absolutely. Because I, I would like to savor this experience. Um, and I am aware we know there there's the Rebels shorts that were released prior to the the show yeah. that were like teasers and stuff um we will we will address those in between seasons one and two right. we're gonna get through season one first right so oh my god bitch we are starting rebels y'all uh <laughs> y'all let's uh <laughs> I, I know the animation isn't quite up to modern standards however the story it doesn't for me it doesn't get better um right uh this is my favorite animation animated show well bad batch is starting to overtake it for me but uh this is my favorite animation story, some of my favorite Star Wars characters, my favorite Star Wars moments, all wrapped up in this one show. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait, y'all. I'm and, so glad we're going to be talking about it. In fact, the number one piece wait. of feedback we have gotten throughout the, the history of this podcast is, I can't wait until y'all talk about Rebels. Yeah. The, the question that I get the most is, when are you doing Rebels? The time has come. Now, now, next week, next week, next fucking week. I can't believe it. It's happening. <laughs> I'm so excited. And I just will, can't hide it. will we, will we take two hours to discuss a 25 minute episode? Yes. Have you met us? <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Duh. So anyway, that's what we have to look forward to for next week. And I legitimately am looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah. Do we have anything else for today? Uh, no. Okay. Whew! Then let's uh, let's outro, shall we? Yes. All right. Hey, everybody! Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love your stupid faces. And uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed the music at the top of the episode, um, that was a gift to us from a listener by the name of Chorlesy. You can find him on the TikTok and Instagram, I believe, um, as at C H O R L S Y. Uh, if you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, you totally can. We're so fun and not at all salty to deal with on social media. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Dark Side Divas. Um, I don't know about Steph, but I'm a giant cunt. Um, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't done so already, uh, please subscribe to our podcast. See, I tied it into the beginning. You like that? You like that? You like that? See? See? <sighs> that the beginning. When, when did we say when did we say the c word at the beginning of the show? Uh, well, we talked about flaps at the beginning. So I'm oh, just okay, like, yeah, That's yeah, it. yeah. You tied it together anatomically. <laughs> anyway, if y'all haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, please leave us a review. Please tell your friends about us. Uh, also, we have a swag store. Official. Oh shit. Redbubble.com forward slash official divas. You can buy. Uh, stickers, mugs, t-shirts of our logos and funny shit that we say. We have a YouTube channel under the Dark Side Divas brand. Unleashed Season 2 has begun, and very soon we will be announcing additional dates of diff- additional episodes. We'll have special guests, and 
that shit's live. You can interact with us in real time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, it's true. Most importantly, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Divas Podcast. Five bucks a month. You get unedited versions of our show in video form. Check it out. It's awesome. We also do some extra content there. We also have virtual, virtual events like book clubs, video game nights. Uh, we just shoot the shit sometimes with our Discord community. Speaking of which, it is true. we also have the best Discord community in the galaxy. They're so fucking cool. You can, Hi, guys. You can fight me on that, and that's it. Okay. That it? That's everything? That's all. All right. Um. So then, bye. Bye. We love you. Bye.